Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Talk Spicy. I'm Coach Gene Clemens. Thank you for joining me wherever you are joining me. Rate the show, comment, agree, disagree, but whatever you do, keep it spicy. Five-star ratings are appreciated. And if you're joining me on the YouTube channel, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe. want to start this all off by saying my heartfelt um, you know, prayers and, and well wishes go to everybody in Florida especially over um, on the West Coast in Tampa, where I'm from, where a lot of my family is. I'm hoping that everybody is is, is hunkered down and safe. And um, to my brother, who may actually have to be out in these elements, you know, I love you. I love all of my family down there. Y'all stay safe. Um, that storm is most likely coming towards me up in Savannah. So everybody, um, you know, in that, in that line, in that path, make sure that you're prepared. Don't go crazy. This isn't something we don't see every single year, but be prepared, um, be prepared because, you know, it's that season and, and it's the season in, in all the sports, but especially in college football, we are, four games in, some people maybe five games in, if they play the week zero game. We're starting to get the tenor. Coaches are already starting to be fired. Um, the latest one, Jeff Collins from Georgia Tech. And, you know, it's that season. It's hurricane season. Things get stirred up. Things get brewing. A storm is brewing out there. In college basketball, I mean, in college football. Um, it's also getting to this point in the year where all of the sports that I really love converge at one time. You've got football going on, college and pro. You've got baseball that's heading towards the playoffs. You have hockey starting up. You have soccer going on. And then you're going to have basketball, the NBA, and college basketball all starting at once. So it's the convergence, it's the stir up of all the sports at one time. And it's a great time if you're a sports fan. It's a fantastic time if you're a sports fan. But college football and these, and these firings or, or these rumblings, right, First, you go back to Scott Frost, who had a, had a, had an opportunity to go back to Nebraska, and he didn't get shortchanged. It wasn't a situation where Scott Frost went back to Nebraska and they gave him two to three years and then got him out of there. Scott Frost went back to Nebraska, had several years to get things right, and wasn't able to get it done. So it's only right that he got fired. Now, do I agree with the way the firing happened? No. Do I believe that it was done maybe as an inside job to get Scott Frost some money out the door? Probably. Am I mad at that? Nope. Is that is that is that fair to the kids? Is that fair to the players? I don't know. So here's one of the things that I, that gets me, right? It's one of the things that I think about when I think about 
Scott Frost and him not working out at Nebraska, his quarterback, Martinez, that was the guy that he really hung his hat on. Hey, this is going to be the guy. This is going to be the this is going to be my Scott Frost. This is going to be my Tommy Frazier. Never really panned out for him. But then I just saw that same guy at Kansas State. Mollywop, Oklahoma. So what does that tell me? Did he all of a sudden get better over the half a year that he was no longer with Nebraska? Or did Nebraska never develop him to his full potential? I don't know. I then go down to the firing at Georgia Tech with Jeff Collins. I thought that his I thought that his tenure was doomed from the beginning. The way in which they did they never paid homage. And and I have a friend down there uh, who was on that staff. So I don't know if he gets picked up by the next staff. I think he does a great job working with receivers and running backs. Um, but I think he'll land on his feet. Because once you're kind of in that world, you stay in that world, right? But I can't sit here and, and tell you that I don't think it's interesting that, that that coaching staff and the people who championed that coaching staff did so by saying, hey, this is no longer your Paul Johnson offense. This is no longer your Paul Johnson's team. And how Paul Johnson wasn't a player's coach. And he was he was too rigid and the offense was antiquated. Well, guess what, though? They won. They won. So if you win, winning is the best deodorant. And so what happened in the Jeff Collins era is they just didn't win. They didn't knock off anybody. They didn't put together a, a run of wins that had them on the right track. Nothing. What was the improvement? Nothing improved under Collins. Can you say recruiting actually improved under Collins if they didn't win more games? Or can you say, well, they recruited better players but didn't but didn't develop them well. That becomes the question. Then it becomes, well, who takes these jobs? Who wants these jobs? Someone alluded to the fact that they thought that Georgia Tech was a better job than Nebraska. No, it's not. It's not. And here's why. Georgia Tech is not going to pay you more than Nebraska will. Georgia Tech doesn't get more revenue in than, than Nebraska does, which means that the guy who takes the Georgia Tech job is working with a, a less recruiting budget with more, like, with more restrictions in his recruiting based off of the academic rigors of Georgia Tech. Yes, and I was talking with, with a um, good friend of mine, Coach Williams, about it. He was saying, you know, that Georgia Tech – would make exceptions, would maybe open it up like a Notre Dame. And and, and I think that that's something that hampers and hampers Notre Dame is the rigidity in their in their academics. Now here's the problem. Here's what I think would solve everything for Georgia Tech. Because why 
talk about a problem without giving a solution. Georgia Tech has to understand who they are. I, I believe this about Vanderbilt as well and Notre Dame. Your job as, a, as the coach at Georgia Tech or all these academic Stanford, all these academic institutions, your job at these places should not be to try to win big every single year because that's going to be impossible. You just don't have the manpower to do so. I don't care what Georgia Tech does. They're not going to recruit like Florida State. They're not going to recruit like North Carolina. They're not going to recruit like Clemson. So it's going to be impossible on a year-in, year-out basis to win big. But you can be above 500. So if you use a model of you just want to get a class to that junior, senior year, right? Three to four years in the program. Stop worrying about going to the transfer portal and, and plugging holes and really and really invest in your development of these student athletes. You know you have them for a guaranteed three. Can you get them for four? And each cycle. So right now, you get the job. You start in 2023. 2025 and 2026 should be the years that you should be trying to fight for an ACC championship. You'll have a veteran-laden team who all knows your system, who's all, who's all bought in. You'll have some men out there, some 21-year-olds, some 22-year-olds out there. You can, you can make a run in that, in that mode. Then you're going to lose that. And the next group may not be there because they haven't been playing. So you take a step back. And that's okay. It's in the model. Every three to four years, we should have a team ready to win or at least put a scare into the top of the division. And the rest of the times, we'll be a solid, bowl-eligible team. That's the model. That's the model. Be a solid, bowl-eligible team. Six wins, seven wins, 10 wins. Six wins, seven wins, 11 wins. Six wins, seven wins, 10 wins. If you're lucky, six wins, seven wins, 10 wins, nine wins, 10 wins, 10 wins. If you can get that junior class to stay, come back for their senior year. Like, it has to be a thought process of, Instead of trying to do what it takes to be at the upper echelon every year, understanding we don't get those same luxuries that these other schools get, that Miami gets, that Florida State gets, that, that, that North Carolina gets, that, that Clemson gets. Knowing we don't get the same luxuries, stop trying to play the same game. See, Clemson can't really afford to have a fall off because everybody's saying you have these five-star athletes. How are you falling off? You have these 
five-star athletes running all over the place. How are you falling off? They can't. So they have to continue to plug holes. They can't always rely on development. But you can at Georgia State, at Georgia Tech. You can at Vanderbilt. You can at Notre Dame. People were ready to fire the head coach at Notre Dame after week number two, after week number three when they lost to Marshall. Well, guess what? These things happen sometimes. Marshall is over there with a bunch of seniors on their team. And in some cases, super duper seniors. They're going to be able to beat 18 and 19 year olds. I don't care what level you have, especially when you consider that Notre Dame is not getting a bunch of five-star 18 and 19 year olds. They're going to be able to win. You have to accept that. You have to realize that's a part of the game. But at the end of the year, Notre Dame should have seven to eight wins. They'll be bowl eligible. They'll, sell, they'll, they'll, they'll have a great showing at a bowl that makes a lot of money. And then you take that same core group of kids that are all young and you flip them the next year and you're better. And then by 2025, excuse me, 2024, by his third season at the helm, he's got to be fighting for a, a, a place in the playoff. And if he's not fighting for a place in the playoff, then we have a problem. It's Notre Dame. But after a few games, you're already trying to get him out of there? It's not Marcus Freeman's fault you gave him the job. Was Marcus Freeman ready to be a head coach right now at that level? No. Should he have been given the opportunity? Absolutely. You know how many... Coaches we see every year get the opportunities without actually being being ready for those jobs, and they never look like Marcus Freeman. Of course, he deserved the opportunity. Now you got to let him grow into the job. It's patience, ladies and gentlemen, when you're at these schools. The best teams don't have ridiculous wild turnover. Not when they first start. Notice that when Nick Saban got it popping at Alabama, the coordinators weren't just changing every single year. When he first got it popping at Alabama, his offensive and defensive coordinator stayed around for some years before they finally took their shot at their respective, you know, um, positions. One left for Florida. The other left for Georgia. They didn't leave for um, – actually, I think one left for Colorado State and then went to Florida. I think that's how it went. But they weren't leaving without a, without a plan in place. And they had, a, they had consistency at those positions for some years before they made changes. That's how you win. So if Marcus Freeman is the guy at Notre Dame and Tommy Reese is your offensive coordinator, who, by the way, Marcus Freeman didn't get to hire. He was just given. He was told, hey, this is going to be your offensive coordinator. And my opinion is this is going to be your offensive coordinator because we really want him to be the head coach. 
but he has less experience than you do. So he's going to be here as the offense coordinator, and in a few years, if you don't get it done, the fix is in. But I digress. These schools like Georgia Tech and Vanderbilt and Notre Dame and, and Stanford, they can't look to try to be, to try to go for a, 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 a conference championship every year. I know that's what people say on the outside, but it's just not realistic with the academic rigors that they deal with. And it's not that, 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 that football players aren't smart. It has nothing to do with the intelligence of the football players. It has everything to do with the requirements that are put upon these teams to recruit the players. Hey, we want you to recruit the top-notch players, but we want you to recruit the top-notch players who have top-notch academics. Well, guess what? Those top-notch players who have top-notch academics they have every door open to them. Some of them might decide to go to Georgia instead of Georgia Tech just because they always wanted to go to Georgia and their academic status allows them to do so without having to pay any money. See, that's the part we don't, we don't talk about. Just because somebody is a high academic student doesn't mean they want to go to the high academic school and get their head beat in when they can go to the really, really good school, win championships, and get a great education just as well. You think the people that are going to Alabama are not getting great educations? You think the people that are going to UCLA and USC and Oregon are not getting really great educations? They don't have to go to Stanford to do that. Well, that Stanford degree is going to mean more. It might, but so will that so will that Pac-12 championship that they win at Utah. It all weighs out. So it's not just, hey, go out and get me the best athletes who are also the best academics. It's you got to fight for those guys. Georgia Tech has to fight with Virginia Tech. They have to fight with Virginia. They have to fight with Vanderbilt in order to bring those guys in. Because all of those schools with the high academics, they want those guys. They want those guys. It's not just like, oh, well, we're the only high academic, you know, power five school in, in, the, in the world, so let's just take our pick. No, they're all over the place. What about those that decide they don't want to go to Georgia Tech? And they don't want to go to Vanderbilt. They don't want to go to Stanford. They don't want to go to Notre Dame. They want to go to Harvard. They want to go to Yale. I'm good enough to play at these power fives, but I want to go to that school. The competition is out there. So trying to be on this system where we are fighting for a conference championship every single year is just not realistic. And asking a coach to come in to the environment at Georgia Tech and try to compete every single year is setting them up for failure. Paul Johnson had to model down, hey, we're going to get some adults in here after we've raised them, and we're going to be able to put a scare into the, into the establishment every few years. 
the service academy model works. They don't get the, why are the service academy struggling? It's because they don't get the they don't get the advantage of super duper old dudes being able to still play college football right now. They don't get that luxury. And because they don't get that luxury, they struggle sometimes. But when it all balances out and they're able to bring a class along, that's when you see Army make a run. That's when you see Air Force and Navy make a run. That's how it's done. You're going to see all of these different machinations happen. Just understand that when these people take a job, stop looking at them as a savior and look at a realistic plan for them to be successful. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Talk Spicy. I'm Coach Gene Clemens. Thank you for joining us. We do this thing a few times a week. Rate the show, comment, agree, disagree, but whatever you do, keep it spicy. Five-star ratings are appreciated. If you're joining me on the YouTube channel, you know what to do. Like, subscribe. Till next time. Hey, Florida, y'all be safe, especially down in Tampa. I love y'all, all my family and friends. Peace.